and welcome to Blades Pod. It is Wednesday, the 9th of June. My name is Ben, and I'm joined as always by Andrew. How are you doing, Paul? Too warm, mate. Too warm. Um, redheads, unite and stop this weather. <laughs> <laughs> you want to just go How back to. I'm, I'm good, thank you. You want to just go back to grey skies, do you? Grey skies, yes, please. Slate grey Victorian skies and rain <laughs> is my. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. My ideal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm, uh, I'm getting crushed by hay fever, which is like I really thought I'd dodged the hay fever bullet this year. I don't know why. And then June snuck up on me and uh, has, has absolutely taken me out. So if I sound like I'm hungover or have a heavy cold or something, then uh, I can assure you it is merely the presence of lots of pollen in the air and not yeah. anything more uh, nefarious, I suppose. But uh, yeah, hopefully you can still. Uh, you can still hear me and understand me, and I can stay relatively, um, relatively perky through this podcast. Because the podcasters fear of the pollen count. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well, we we've got a, a, a bittersweet subject to discuss today. We've had this one on the on the back burner for well, I guess almost three months now, I suppose. Mm. And we we're going to do our tribute, for what it's worth, to um, to Chris Wilder, as Sheffield United manager, and. Um, yeah, we're, we're not... I didn't really want to do a warts and all kind of um, appraisal, if you like, of the entire Wilder era, because obviously the last, what, uh, t- 10 months or so were pretty miserable. And we've certainly... Uh, I think we've certainly raised a lot of things that, that we thought went wrong and that we didn't like and disagree with in that period. And yeah, I'm just... Uh, I, I'm not saying that those concerns are not valid because I think they absolutely are but I just don't really want to talk about that today I want to do a um a bit more of a, a fairy tale uh, approach to this I suppose where we look back at the the positive side of what um what Chris Wilder gave us as um yeah. as manager so yeah I think it's probably quite good timing as well I imagine actually while we're talking about this we probably will just have a like a moment of oh yes that was really good and then it went away and you know if only yeah, yeah. if only he'd carried on with that uh, great trait that he had then yeah, maybe we'll be in yeah. this state. I think the timing's quite uh, quite apt just by chance really because there's a uh, an interesting interview with uh, Stephen Bettis on Sky Sports talking about um, the well among among many other things but the recruitment of uh, Yukanovich as well so that was quite interesting and, yeah good interview actually I felt that yeah 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 it's uh it's an interesting read for anyone who's not seen it for sure I think it's is there a, a video version of this as well I think there's a video I think I've not watched a video version if there is one I've just read the the, the article yes uh and the other thing with timing is that uh it looks like the I think the favourite destination for Wilder's next job being West Brom now looks like it's off the table. And the really even... interesting that I mean, there's obviously a lot of rumours which you're not going to get into because who knows. But he looked nailed on at one point. You know, I will run the West Brom. I actually had a, a, a view from lined up to be completely honest. I may as well admit to the world now of uh, West Brom fans' views of getting Wilder because that's how their fans were talking as if it were a done deal. So hmm. I don't know if it's fallen through or if if it were never happening and people just got carried away. I'm not sure, but I, I thought it'd end up there, yeah. Yeah, there's some... The the managerial stuff's quite interesting, though, because uh, we've just seen Palace have... That's basically collapsed with uh, Nuno hmm. and Spirito Santos, it? when it was all... Yeah. <clears throat> that was being widely reported as basically being done, and now they're saying, actually, no, we're, uh, we're moving on. So, yeah, really interesting to see where Wilder ends up, but we are going to... 
send our minds back for for this podcast and uh, yeah, review. I think we're ready, aren't we? As well, I, I think, think so. before we get into it, I think we could, I, I I mean the four blades did their pod a uh, couple of weeks, I think, after. Mm. And to be honest, I didn't listen to it because I weren't ready to. I, I, that was just me. Nothing yeah. against the lads who did the pod. I just wasn't in that. So, and then I listened to their latest pod where they went through the best Wilder sort of memories or memories of the Premier League. And it were, yeah, I think I'm ready for this now. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually the same with that Four Blades one. I think that's the only episode I've not listened to of theirs because I was, yeah, yeah, I was just now. in that same mindset of like, I, I just, like full credit to them for doing that, but I just wasn't ready for it all. Um but once we've done this, I will be ready. So I will be very interested to hear what their thoughts are. But okay, so we've got a, a, a number of things to talk about here. And um, yeah, let's let's just start by casting our mind back to, uh, if you can, to what it was like before Wilder actually joined as manager. And I guess mm. what it was like being a Sheffield United fan. Um, we'd just finished 11th in League One under Nigel Adkins, who was uh, removed as manager at the end of that season. Can you uh, can you remember how you felt about the blades back then? Not great. I, I had a season ticket for whatever, however long, and I'd stopped going a couple of years before simply due to work reasons when Clough uh, took over um, because I, I was working a lot of weekday nights and we had that money. And the Atkins era is that, and I used to hate not being able to go, even you know when uh, we were playing pretty rubbish football under Clough. I was so like, oh, I'm at work and I want to, you know, I want to go and see us lose to MK Dons at home. The the Atkins season is the first time ever in my United lifetime where I'm sort of at work, not even checking the scores, not bothered at all. Really, I'm not saying not bothered at all. That's that's not. I, I did go to games that I could get to, but I remember scoring against. Crew when we beat Crew three two. I don't know if you remember that game on Dragkins, and I didn't even cheer, and it were horrible. And I was like, sort of, I was like, hey, and I'm thinking, mm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, is that we beat Crew at home three two with a last minute winner that means nothing to a mid table? And I was quite worried that I was losing my my passion for it, to be honest, mm. because even more so than this. This season's been awful because we've not been able to go there, and it's not been the same and stuff, but. We were a fully-fledged League One club, weren't we, at that point? Yeah, I mean, it looked like it was getting worse. I mean, it was. It was, yeah, you know, our yeah. lowest finish for however many decades, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. I was... I guess, yeah, it's quite interesting to look at this on a on a personal level, I suppose. Um, yeah, like you, I think I was sort of drifting away from football. So I'd lived in London for a, a while, mm. and then I'd moved back uh, during this season, actually, the Nigel Atkins season, and so I'd started to go to games at home again. I, you know, I tried to get to as many aways as I could while I was in London because that's yeah. just a fun thing to do. And it was kind of, kind of almost sod the football. Really, let's just go and have a day out. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd started going to matches again at Bramall Lane. But it was pretty obvious that you know something was rotten, wasn't it? I mean, just how I don't know. It's just a really unenjoyable experience, and I don't think I ever was like locked in of like, I can't wait to get back to Bramall Lane for the next game or anything like that. It was a real, yeah, a real drifting season, obviously culminated in the, uh, the lap of shame <clears throat> after the last game of the season with the, you know, you're a disgrace to the club yeah. and all that. Yeah. I think the, the four, the four, two against Shrewsbury and Dragkins is, is sort of pointed to in it as the, I just, I've just got a, lot, a bit of an anecdote about that, where I always remember I was walking on from work, like I said, I was working and um, we were one nil up and, I couldn't get the reception prop on the radio trying to listen to us all walking home and stuff. By the time I got on the ads, we were 3-1 down. And I was like, what What are we doing? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was such a shock. Not a shock. It were almost like a, 
this is I can't really explain that feeling when I've like sort of went in and switched it on and thought like what was the score three one to Shrewsbury what's going on this is this is like so low and then I remember other games from that season crew away which we lost one nil um, an absolutely awful performance oh, just too many to mention really yeah so I mean how does that uh, you know you mentioned like not really following the scores and stuff. I- I don't know if we're being a bit like revisionist history here, but that feels, uh, looking back, that feels a lot different to what we've just been through in this Premier League season. Oh, completely. Because, yeah. you know... When I say I didn't follow the scores, what I meant, I, I looked at the scores after the match, I was still doing the view fronts and stuff like that, so it wasn't like I was detached completely, but I don't think I was commenting much on the message boards, and I don't think... Um, I remember us losing to Southend uh, 3-1, I were at work for the entire match, and I just looked at my phone at the end of the game, oh, we've lost 3-1. That is so unlike me. Yeah. Put it one way, the, the season after when we had Bradford, uh, when it was three three hour at work that day, I could I would I didn't do any work because I was just glued <laughs> to my phone, you know, like what's going on? Yeah. And I've never, you know, it's I, I just looked at my phone at the end of the end of the shifts and I've lost three one, which the, the passion had just been beaten out of me. I think. Yeah, it was. I'm, I'm pretty sure I just felt embarrassed to be a United fan almost. Like there's no there's no pride at all in supporting this club at the moment. This is in yeah uh, 2015. Um, and I know, mm. yeah, we've just sat through a truly miserable season, but I- I've just been kind of like, well, this isn't even real football. Like, and our, and our players, you know, yeah. our players just aren't good enough like at, the, at this level. And yeah, you contrast that, you know, going up against the Premier League elite with, like you said, you know, losing to Crew or you know teams that are on vastly smaller budgets than us that you know have been around that level of football for a very long time and yet this you know we're just finishing middle of the pack in that so it was uh it was a low point from which wilder could build but that's yeah. not that's not to discredit the <laughs> the uh turnaround cuz pretty much every manager had come in in the like the previous four or five managers it was they were taking over at the lowest point, for, you know, in recent history, and it was just getting yeah. progressively worse. Yeah, um, obviously, Nigel Clough, you could say, you know, with David Weir, I think we were uh, literally bang bottom of the league, weren't we? So, what did you, um, what did you know of Wilder um, before, immediately before he took over, then, or just as he was appointed? And did you have any thoughts on him that you can remember back then? I knew he got promoted with Oxford. I remember him doing like a. A, a slide onto the pitch. I watched the Oxford playoff final game. Uh, I can't remember the beat now. They beat they beat someone two one in the playoff final, and I remember Wilder sort of doing like a knee slide on the pitch, and everyone like it's Chris Wilder. I thought, oh, he's, yeah, it's Chris Wilder to play for us. But I don't even know if I knew we were at Northampton. You know, to be completely honest, I think I was quite mm-hmm. out of the loop with football in general due to obviously United, and that, that was the season. Also, Wednesday got to the playoff final, didn't they, against Hull, which were another oh, yeah. sort of. Nail. I think the most I cheered that season without the army goal. Yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because that that were another thing, and I was just sort of like, oh, I don't want to look at football, and, and I, I don't even know if I knew he were at Northampton. I didn't know much about him. I wasn't, I wasn't underwhelmed or overwhelmed. I, I mm. think my gut reaction was, oh right, Mickey Adams part two, is it? <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a bit of that in there. I, I I'm, I'm glad you raised Mickey Adams there because obviously I, I knew Wilder was a former player. I'd, I'd seen the sort of tail end of his his playing days uh, with United. Um, I knew he'd been, you know, managing in the lower leagues for a while, but I don't, <clears throat> I don't think I could have named which clubs he was at. I think, yeah, Oxford. Cause did he manage, he managed against us in the FA Cup, didn't he? A couple of years. Uh, 
That's sure right, is. yeah. Um, and we beat them 3-0. And I remember getting the view from Oxford and they were saying, he let them one because he's a United fan. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, and I knew he'd done good stuff at Northampton, but I don't think I... Yeah, if you put me on the spot, I'm not sure I would have been able to say, yes, he is the Northampton manager. Yeah. Like you just wasn't really on my radar, but I think... And I have to say, I don't know if you were the same, I have to say, sorry to jump in, but no, I didn't want Akin Sacking. Mm, I think I... Ooh, mm. Actually, uh, do you know what? I think I was just like, whatever at this point. Yeah, like, oh, don't get like, me wrong. What did, what did, but almost like, what difference does it make? Like, you know, give him another season, like, get some point, other guy, thinking... whatever. You've had you've had um, a steady manager, if you like, in Nigel Clough. You've had tried one of our own sort of thing with Chris Morgan. Mm. Um, you've had a League One stalwart in Danny Wilson. You've had an unknown in David. When nothing's worked, you've had the best man for the job in in Nigel Atkins. In terms, I remember when we got Nigel Atkins, and there were a quote from Jim Phipps saying he's the most qualified man to deliver promotion. And you can laugh at that in hindsight, but it was spot on with yeah. his record. So I'm thinking, well, if Nigel Atkins can't sort it out with his record and Nigel Clough can't do it with his sort of steady Eddie approach and we can't do it with this unknown David Weir, we've tried Chris Moore, who, you know, it doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah, I guess it was that thing of, like, we, we you see this quite a lot, don't you? We can't just keep sacking managers. Like, yeah. <laughs> eventually you just have to stick with someone and, and see what happens. But, uh, yeah. No, we did. Uh, we did make a change. We brought in Wilder. Obviously, yeah, I mentioned he's a former player. I was, you know, very aware that he was a Sheffield United fan as well. That didn't didn't thrill me at that point. Not in a. I didn't no, see, obviously no. didn't see that as a negative. But you mentioned Mickey Adams. We've, you know, we've had the. He's one of our own at that point. I definitely. Again, I don't know if I'm revising history here, but I never felt that that was particularly uh, overplayed with Adams or even. Uh, moderately played, I suppose, in terms of like Mickey Adams. He's one of our own. He's a blade. Like yeah, he, yeah. Get, he gets the club. He gets the city. I again, I don't know if I'm just forgetting it. It might just be that he took over a bad team that got worse, and so yeah, we yeah. never had that kind of spark of this guy. This guy gets it. He's clearly you know yeah. putting his stuff yeah, into yeah, place. Yeah. But yeah, just you know, like you say, we just tried all these different molds of managers, and I think I was just in a spot of like, well, whatever. I mean. Give it anyone for all I care. Like, is a Sheffield United fan? Fine, but you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't see that as like this is it. This is the thing that's going to transform us. Um, well, we covered the League One season, didn't we? On a, on a, yeah. on a special podcast, like um, a couple with last year or whatever when lockdown ran. And I, I, I said at the time that I got, uh, I was looking back at the views from the S two forum at that point, and the, the people weren't jumping for joy in the same way they are now with Yukanovic for instance yeah. you know people are like what an appointment that is he's done this people will I mean there were a couple of like type of people because people like he's one of our own he's a blade he'll get it and all this sort of stuff but I think most people are in the position of me and you of well yeah alright see what happens but not expecting much nothing to do with Wilder but the clubs are just, just a total mess yeah and he'd um, uh, he'd never managed at that level before had he? Uh, no no League One yeah sorry he'd never yeah he'd never managed League at League One, one yeah <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, just uh, just got promoted from League Two, but I think that was a concern as well. Uh, even though you know we'd been through, as we said, all those other molds as manager. Can you remember how you felt early doors in that season? Either either during preseason or um, you know during that that initial run where we didn't win for the first four games. Um, and I, I guess uh, sort of dovetailing that, can you remember a point where you realised? something special is actually happening here. I remember pre-season where we lost to Halifax 2-0. Hmm. And I didn't go, but everyone was saying that my, we were appalled and apparently that. I know it's only a friendly, but, you know, that was, and I was thinking in warning signs there. 
Then obviously those four, I, I thought we were down. Like I said it on the League One pod that we did. I, I even wrote up. I were arguing with people sticking up for Wilder, actually, on the S2 forum at the time. So Because people saying, he's got to go Wilder after these four. And I said, look, this has been going on for ages, but we're obviously only heading one way. You know, I thought Wilder were getting more stick than he deserved because it had been coming. Mm. You know, I thought, I think that for me at that point, I was thinking, well, we are going to go down at some point because that's just where the where we're heading. We're getting worse every single season. We're selling as best players every season. We sold Shea Adams after the you know within the four game spell that we lost. And you're thinking, well, we can't keep all of his best players. We're selling everybody. We've got this guy, in. and I felt sorry for Wilder to be honest. I, I didn't, I didn't want to sack him because I thought, well, what's the point? Who else we're going to get in? But I did think we were going down. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to find the. Uh team from that that game with uh halifax the mm. halifax courier is not not playing ball on that one i was really curious ah, right was. yeah let's see if it comes up but um yes what were we saying yeah i so i went to the rochdale game uh i obviously we'd lost one nil away at bolton which was not um i mean they'd just come down bolton hadn't they from the championship, I believe. Yeah, so that wasn't like a disastrous start. It was with loss. It's not good. I've got the team, by the way, if you want to listen to it yeah. from the Halifax game. Uh, oh. Ramsdale, Bra- Ramsdale, Brayford, Hussey, Fleck, O'Connell, Basham, Sharp, Doan, Coots, Wilson, Duffer. So it's not a bad side, is it? Yeah, that's pretty much the core of what would. Uh, yeah, yeah. What would Calvert Lewin came on as a sub as well, and 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 Brooks. Oh, oh I didn't know Brooks was playing. Uh, yeah, for that season, right? Um... Yeah, so I went to the Rochdale game. We lost to Bolton, as I said. We went to the Rochdale game, uh, a one-all draw, and I, I and it was a one-all draw that we um, we rescued late on as well. We were lucky to get a draw. They missed a couple of really good chances. Rochdale in the first half. Yeah, and I I remember thinking we've got worse. Like this is really bad. And then I mean, we were playing long ball at that point, undoubtedly. Like, Whether that that was probably not Wilder's tactics or what he wanted to, but I think it would panic from the players. Mm. And then yeah, that sort of infamous three 0 loss to Southend, and then the um, the Millwall defeat as well. Which uh, you know Millwall ended up making the playoffs, didn't they? So uh, in fact, they ended up getting promoted by the playoffs. Yeah, so they did. Yeah, they went up. Yeah, not a uh, not an easy game to get started. We, as you said, we have gone through this entire season in a special podcast last year. So if you want to hear super in like match by match thoughts, then yeah, then please do so. But uh, go and listen to that. I mean, um, yeah, I I just thought. Uh, this is not working. Um, yeah, I just thought we've got worse. I don't see how we're going in any direction other than down at the moment. Um, I went. I was at the Oxford game. I this was my first season with a season ticket back in Sheffield, actually. So I'd obviously, obviously bought into something that made me want to go to these games again. I, yeah. think, I, I think I just twisted my dad's arm, actually, because I was just like, well, I'm back now. Uh, you know, we we haven't been able to go to matches regularly in donkey's years. Should we just get mm. a season ticket and you know, sod sod what actually happens on the pitch. But turned out yeah. quite a, quite a good purchase that one. Um, yeah, I think obviously that will, that win over Oxford was welcome. But I was looking down the fixture list. I think maybe the Chesterfield away game was the point where I thought something is actually. I've written that. Yeah, there's two there's here. two games for me, but that was the first one. Yeah. Yeah, go on then. Do you want to? Just tell me what you thought the, about that. Well, we went 1-0 down after a minute. This this is the infamous match of people who've listened to Pods before where my dad left me in the pool as soon as we went 1-0 down. <laughs> after one minute, right, I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then to come back in the way we did, and we absolutely destroyed him. And we, we looked like a free-scoring side, not just because we'd scored four, but we were playing good football in that. You had Kieran Freeman getting forward and 
Um, obviously, Billy Sharp once again getting another goal, Fleck getting his first goal. And I thought we looked like a team at that point who were going to be challenging at the top. I, d- I didn't expect us to, probably didn't even expect us to get all my promotion at that point. But I thought, yeah, we're going to be all right. We'll be top six, I think. Yeah, that was... Because uh, Chet Evans was playing for uh, Chesterfield that game. Yeah, he, he played well, actually. Yeah. yeah, I think he set up the goal, didn't he, for Chesney yeah. uh, after a couple of minutes. Yeah, um, yeah. then just a second-half blitz. And I'd, it had been so long since I'd seen us do that. And as you said, it looked like we could score loads more. I remember Duffy just absolutely running the show. And yeah, yeah it was... Uh, that was a bit of a statement, that one, I think, for sure. We, you know, we'd, we'd won loads of games up to this point. I mean, what had we done? Yeah, yeah. Four, five, I six, think because that took us to third or something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we followed it up with two uh, two wins over teams down to nine men, actually, weirdly, wasn't it? Um, so I, I do think that Chesterfield one was a big deal. Uh, what was the other one I picked out? I think the other one was in early December. Yeah, actually... I think this one was possibly an even bigger deal for me. The 4-0 win over Swindon, where we'd we'd just drawn at Charlton, so we conceded like a last-minute goal after we'd been much better than them. Then we lost at home to Walsall, and yeah. I think the doubts just start to creep back in then, don't they? Of like, oh, yeah. you know, here we go now. We, we see it every season. One team has like a brilliant run to start the season, and and absolutely disappears. I think it, it might have been Coventry this year, actually. Didn't they start the season really well? And then I think so. Yeah, I do not um, Oh, I, yeah. There always is, though. Yeah. yeah. There was one season when Millwall were second in at Christmas and went down. <laughs> oh, great effort. Um, yeah. But yeah, we lost at home to Walsall, and then the next game we played Swindon at home. And I don't. I think it was nil nil at half time. It was. Yeah, I were, I were away for this, and it was nil nil at half time. And obviously, as you said, it came off the back of that wall. So I'm quite nervous. I, I'm running Blackpool. I weren't like just running it up or anything. We were in Blackpool for the weekend to see the Chemical Brothers. Very um, nice. Yeah, and then uh, we'd stayed the weekend, and uh, we we found a pub, and, it was, and I'm quite nervous thinking if we lose this one, then uh, see. I was. The, sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Swindon like a been in the playoffs a couple of seasons previous so they weren't this terrible they were bad this season I think they went down but they, they still had a bit of a name in league one I think it wasn't yeah. a walkover sort of team for sure yeah well I was at the game and I wasn't nervous at all after a few minutes because it was so clear that this team United were just miles better than Swindon and it, I remember just thinking like how the hell is this nil-nil at half time we've absolutely destroyed these and then yeah Duffy gives us a lead about seven minutes into the second half and uh, yeah, we we score again almost immediately, and then again, sort yeah. of fifteen minutes. Well, this is why I brought it up because I sort I went to the bar and then I went to the toilet and I came back and my mate always said it's two 0 United. Like what? Yeah. So that was when I started to think, hang on, this is different this year. Like this team has got the the skill, but also the attitude of like we're not going to cave and. I guess you saw that later in the season when we dropped those. Yeah. Well, uh, we we lost to Walsall again, and then to Fleetwood uh, with a draw against Gillingham in between. But then we didn't lose for the rest of the season from early February all the way through. So my yeah. other game, by the way, is um, the one where you say something special is happening. Was Bolton at home because Bolton were the mm. second best team in the league by a fair distance in the end, and we played them. Out. We were so much better than them. Yeah, and I remember coming out from that game thinking. We're not just the best side. We're obviously the best side in the league. We, we're so much better than the competition. I, I've never seen us in a game, because that was a big game, the Bolton game at the time. Mm. It was like, you know, the top two going head to head. And, you know, we'd only just overtaken Bolton a couple of months before. Might, might have even been a month before. So it was quite a big game. They could have still caught us and stuff. And all the Gary Medine thing. And we, I've never seen United in a game like that where they've just 
absolutely outplayed and just made you know embarrassed them. That's when the the Bolton chairman came out with his <laughs> infamous program. Now it's after about us bottling it. Yeah, well, and was he said he'd rather be in uh, their position than ours yeah, at that, that point? Well, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'd rather be in Bolton's position than ours, uh, <laughs> you know, and all this sort of stuff. But yeah, we absolutely. I remember coming home from that game. I went with my dad to that one actually, and like he was saying, like, because he, he weren't going to as many games as I were, but he was saying like, that's that that were brilliant. That were like genuinely like a brilliant performance because we were expecting this horrible, tight, nervy one nil game. We could have had five or six. Yeah, well, this is a good segue here into. Uh, something more wilder specific I wanted to mention and that's just talking about some of the uh, the norms that he kind of broke down in terms of um, you know that same old United mentality yeah. which I think um, I, I want you know I wonder if some fans have kind of forgot that you know same old United was was a, mm. a thing rooted in reality at that point yeah. I know it's a, it's a you know it's a cliche thing that all football fans go through you know always do it the hard way that kind of thing but United not only didn't do it the hard way, we, we didn't do it at all. And, you know, if there was a, if there was ever a big game, we usually bottled it, didn't we? Like, yeah, a poor performance yeah, I've got this loose. written down, so I'm glad you brought this up, that Wilder changed. We, we, there wasn't many big games that we lost under Wilder. Yeah, I mean, you think later, obviously, uh, going to Ellen Road and winning. Um, mm. You know, all these times I said where we... If you lost a game, I generally felt like we were going to win the next one because... Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. almost, uh, you know, I, I I almost took the positives in defeat. So I was like, right, there's no way Wilder's letting that happen again. Like, oh, we, <laughs> yeah. we, we played badly this week. Well, I pretty much guaranteed a good performance next week then. And I never had that under other managers. I, I thought with with Warnock, I always felt if we'd had a bad first half, I'll give him a kick yeah. on the backside at halftime. Again, yeah. I know this is a cliche, but I do think there is, you know, there was plenty of times this actually happened and we played much better in the second half and, got a late winner and stuff but yeah I just I, I guess that's it that uh you know that was one of the norms I felt he sort of shattered as United manager of like hang on no we're good and we're not going to choke this away as we've done in some previous seasons and yeah is that is there anything else that sort of springs to mind for you there I just think like I mean it, again this is a cliche and it seems like nothing but he did get the fans he mm. did get the fact Clough didn't get the fans at all. Clough were playing one up front, and he used to you start with a point, and he's like, <clears throat> you know, Atkins clearly didn't get the fans. Wilson probably didn't. What Wilder knew, I think, is how we like not just effort, but we like direct football, not in a long ball sense, but direct attacking football. We weren't, you know, I, I still think, you know, if you, the Brian Robson era, you're passing it pass, 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 but it were mm. boring, and the fans were chanting boring. I don't think we'll ever have a manager again who knew exactly what the fans wanted or the majority of fans wanted and ultimately knew what it meant to be a Sheffield United fan. He represented us in the same way that me and you would, I think. Mm. I think he understood everything that me and you and the people listening uh, understand about what is a Sheffield United fan. He knew the history, the rivalry, the pain that we had the last six years and he knew it because he was one of us and I think that's an easy thing to overlook because it's all this bladey blade nonsense and stuff. But... I do think we possibly needed that in hindsight. A Sheffield United fan like that, knowing exactly what had gone before and and, and the mood of the fan base, in in contrast to Clough and Atkins, who I thought never got Sheffield United. Yeah, it was a it was a purifying experience, wasn't it? Obviously, yeah. Um, obviously helped by success on the pitch. Yeah, well, <laughs> but... I mean, obviously, if he did not have got success on the pitch, it's irrelevant. But the fact that. He knew we were doing well, but when the setbacks came, he knew what we wanted to hear up until that final season, pretty much. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, I, I I do think we we needed it, didn't we? I mean, I said the word fairy tale earlier, and that's that's what this was like. It was, you know, it was an absolute dream, wasn't it? Suddenly, mm. the team is very very good. It's very entertaining to watch. We've got uh, a blade as manager, a blade as your captain, and your top scorer. That's just not. I don't think that's going to happen again, is it? I mean, you know, no. I, I, I put this down as like a, a you know a bit of a discussion point again, but. Do you think it's possible to see that level of connection uh, between fans and manager ever again? Do you think that? I don't think so. Cause I think I think the fact Billy Sharp were captain were another sort of caveat to that, if you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. another sort of string to that bow. And he wasn't a Warnock style blade, very Wilder. You know, this is a guy who went to the matches even when he were managing someone else. Yeah. You know, he, he, he's obviously seen the pictures of him at playoff semi-finals and stuff like that, or last days of the season, uh, or even jumping on the pitch. Uh, at Coventry at home um, and hugging Steve Thompson I just don't think we'll see that combination of a Blades fan also happening to be a brilliant manager I think you might have Blades fans who come in along Billy Sharp might become a manager and might get that passion the chances of him also being a brilliant manager not that you know he's not I mean this is a guy who won the LMA manager of the year and then the runner up that I don't think we'll probably have a manager who does that let alone a Sheffield United fan manager who does that yeah, so it's a really good point. Yeah, I, it does feel like this was lightning in a bottle in terms of, um, mm. yeah, that fan connection. I mean, you know, if, if Jukanovic happens to guide us straight back to promotion and then, you know, safety the following season, for example, yeah. so your best case scenario is going to be an extremely popular manager among Sheffield mm. United fans. But, yeah, I, I, you know, that extra layer of sweetness, if you like, yeah, it's... We're not going to and see that again, are And this is where again, the pay came from with the fallout. I know they want to go into the negatives and stuff, okay. but they still peak. You know, I got you know a message today, uh, like Berlin Blade, I think it was, messaged me saying that, you know, um, Jukanovic uh, might get off to a bad start, then he, get, he, he has to leave and Wilder comes back in. And you look at those messages and think, oh, come on, get over it. But that that's all because of that connection. Yeah. I don't think we'd have had that for any – I could be wrong, but – I don't know. Maybe not for a manager who wasn't a Sheffield United fan as well. Yeah, I think just to talk about him, uh, I guess less less on a, a professional managerial skill level and just on a, a personal level, I suppose. Yeah, he was a funny guy, you know. I, so, yeah. well, I'm talking past tense here. He's not died. <laughs> <You know? laughs> just, uh, just just to be clear, it does sound a little bit like that. But we, you know, we, I'm sure he is still a funny guy. Um, it's just yeah, he won't yeah, be yeah. a Sheffield United manager anymore. I used to love his interviews. I, you know, I, yeah. I think I used to sort of fifty percent cringe, fifty percent be like, "Go on, lad," about uh, Warnock's interviews. That's Warnock's a- interviews, exactly that. Yeah, you like, I'd listen to every- Wilder was the first manager since Warnock where I would listen to every interview, knowing that I'd be texting someone immediately after saying, "Did you hear what he said?" Yeah, <laughs> for very different reasons. Warnock could come on like. They're rubbish, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, Wilder were a different kettle of fish in the way. It were completely opposite to Warnock in the sense that he blamed the players, mm. which was something Warnock never did, um, and that did reap rewards. People have like, held that against him in that final season, Wilder. But that definitely helped in the early days. It, we had a bad performance. He'd come out and say, "Yeah, we're rubbish." Yeah, that that, that Hull away game in the championship, first season in the championship, yeah. I was. And we've talked about it on here, but in case anyone's not here to talk about it, I was, um, yeah, it was a terrible game. We played terribly, lost 1 yeah. 0. But I, I remember listening to Wilder's interview after I was like, oh, flipping heck, like this guy, 
it's like he has higher standards than I do as a fan, and that's it. Were absolute shockwaves that interview. I think that was possibly yeah. the first time where he'd gone in and on that much. I remember us beating mm. Leeds away. And he, and he said, terrible performance or something like that. And you're like, just beat Leeds away, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I liked that, um, you know, that kind of smashing of the norm of like, yeah. here's just another bland manager, you know, a bland personality. Like, you know, forget what he's like as an actual uh, tactician or motivator or anything. Yeah. When he's doing his interviews, I mean, I, that's why I cited Warnock there. He's, he's the only one I think that's like resonated slightly in terms of, um, I listened to his interviews and... I have this. I have some feelings towards him, whereas I think everyone in the interim was just either bland or boring or just I, I said think absolutely nothing. I was honest. I think that that's mm. the Nigel Clough used to dig his players out, especially McNulty. Yes. <laughs> He's a mom. He didn't do enough today. But <laughs> I think Wilder said it from a place of genuine emotion and heart, where I think Clough, I don't know, if, I don't want to say calculated, but it seemed a bit more malicious almost with Clough. Mm. Yeah, I liked, uh, I mean, it. You know, I, I just like that honest approach of calling a spade a spade. You know, I mean, yeah. um, I think the you know talking about interviews making shockwaves when he uh, when he called out Henderson after um, the mistake against Liverpool oh, in the yeah. Premier League, yeah. and I thought that was a really smart move, and that's basically how it proved. But obviously, the and Leicester at home. Do you remember Leicester at home in the Premier League again? Our holiday for this, and um, mm. someone messaged you while his interview. He's gone mad at him. <laughs> <laughs> And I remember, like, the Premier League uh, match of the day I watched that night, they were saying, should he be going on like that? Well, I'm not sure. It's a bit weird. They've only lost two. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But it's like, well, that's Wilder, mate. That's what he does. Yeah. I mean, he knew what he was doing, didn't he? Yeah, and that's why in the the, the last season, he didn't go in on him because the confidence was that low that I don't think there were any need. Yeah. I I think he picked his... uh, Target's not the right word, but he, he picked his audience. He... Mm. He knew that Henderson could take that criticism. And I should say it wasn't, you know, it was constructive criticism, wasn't it? It wasn't uh, with Henderson, that is. It wasn't yeah, like, he's uh, rubbish. He's rubbish, <laughs> he should never play at this level again or anything like that. He yeah. said, you know, Henderson, Dean wants to be uh, England's number one, Man United's number one, he knows he's got to do better. And yeah. to the wider football world, that is a shocking statement because players are generally, you know, coddled by managers, particularly when yeah. it's players on loan from Manchester United, for example. But he knew what yeah, he was doing. Yeah, there were a lot of shouts. Bring him back from the Man U fans. We don't want you. Who do you think he is slagging our player off? Yeah, but he knew Henderson not only could take that, but would respond well to it. And yeah. that's exactly what it is. Whereas, you know, I, I again, maybe somebody can find me evidence of this uh, and prove me wrong, but I don't remember him ever sort of uh, burying McGoldrick for all those chances he was missing, for example. Not at all, no. He actually stuck up for him many a time, didn't he, when the, when the question came up. Um, he stuck up for Aaron Ramsdale in that final season as well, mm. all the way through, when Ramsdale were making sort of slight errors or whatever, and he never did. He knew the players he could get away with criticising. Yeah, I think it's such a, it was such an amazing blend of like tactical... Uh, acumen I suppose and and man management um that I'd I don't remember seeing at any point in my time supporting United um, it reminded me of Brian Clough I did a Brian Clough interview where um Forrest lose the first leg of the European game and he, he plus first first answer Peter Shulton's let us down <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> do you know what I mean so it's just like that sort of honesty but he obviously knew Shulton were big enough to take it in the same way Henderson was yeah and this is one of the the things with COVID, I suppose, the unknowns about the end of the Wilder tenure is, you know, how much that took away from his man management abilities, I guess, you know, not being able to 
get the players out for a drink, you know, have like, uh, you know, bigger group sessions at training and things like that. Yeah. We'll never know, I suppose. But um, yeah, that was definitely something I appreciated. I mean, I think another thing for me was just this whole idea of having a defined way of playing. And I know we've become like wedded to the system, if you like. Yeah. To our, you know, that's been a frequent complaint of ours for the last 12 months, I suppose. But this was new for me as a fan. I, 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 you know, I don't remember United particularly, not that they didn't have tactics, but I didn't really, I don't really as a fan ever really think I thought, um, I know what we're trying to do. I can see what we're trying to do and it seems to be working. How about you? Did you feel that with any of our other managers? I'm trying to think now. The only one, I know, a really young Bassett maybe, mm. basically get it forward as quick as possible, crosses into the box with the big guy, Dino up front and obviously, but... Obviously, Kendall and Spikeman to a degree, but they weren't there long enough for it to sort of really become a philosophy or anything. I, no, I mean, even Warnock, Warnock changes tactics most weeks. You know, yeah. he, he wasn't sort of stuck to that one tactic thing, and he, he'd be really defensive at certain times, like horribly defensive, mm. to be honest, like especially the Premier League. But then he'd have four up front the week after, so yeah, it, it was different. But we had this one player playing, and nobody could stop it for those four years, pretty much. If we yeah. lost the game, it was never to do with the tactics. It was always to do with either individual errors or maybe miss. We lost. I mean, the, the season we didn't go up in the championship under Wilder. We should have got in the playoffs. With we missed so many chances that season. Yeah, didn't we? Just yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, uh, not to say that all our other managers were just like uh, you know winging a prayer. They didn't have any tactical. No, I think you're basis, kind of it's... the same as the rest of them that they'll change it up and they'll shift it around, which is good management. But also, mm. we, as you said, we had this system that was completely unique in world football, as far as I know. I know there that interview with Bielsa where he said he tried to do it as a younger manager and he couldn't do it, the overlapping centre-half thing. Mm. And people didn't know how to stop it. It was nothing to do. People said, like, they'd been found out in the Premier League and stuff. I don't think that was the case. I think we'd stopped doing basically what we were good at, probably due to confidence and probably due to a lack of a Jack O'Connell replacement and the former Stevens and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you just lose and then it snowballs into, you know, having no confidence at all. But... I do think that, that that system played right. It's really difficult to stop. Yeah, no, absolutely was. I mean, but basically every time we'd lost or drew, you know, the talk was, uh, oh, have we have we been found out? And yeah. we didn't get found out until our second season in the Premier League, and that was due yeah. to many, many factors, as you kind of touched on there. Um, you, should, you should obviously say Alan Nil played a, a huge part mm. in all this as well. Um, yeah, don't want to go through the entire podcast. Where is Alan Nil, by the way? So I got asked this yesterday. So I said, do you know where Alan Nil is? And we're like, it's still at the club. Yeah, it's <laughs> still an employee of Sheffield United, I believe. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I said like it'll be like one of those things where your cannabis will come in after about six months and say, well, who's he? He's always here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, but yeah, just sort of building on the idea of having a defined way of playing. I mean, I do remember, um, you know, having a moment watching United that season, that first season in League One where I... I realised I was no longer really watching the man on the ball for United. I was yeah. I was looking around at what was available and what the sort of the moving pieces around that player were doing. Yeah. And I, I remember sort of catching myself doing it, thinking like, bloody hell, this is this is odd. Like this, this must be what it's like when you support a really good team where Yeah, you know, I remember you know, Chester, Chesterfield at home the last game of the League One season, we were um, and we were looking and I said, Look look at everyone's moving around. Are there only Jake Wright on the centre right? We actually started singing Jake Wright on the halfway line. You know, <laughs> just, like you're a bit drunk obviously, but there was only him in our half. 
And can you remember all those heat maps and stuff that came out about the, um, especially the first season of the championship, about the the regular positions of the players? And they were mm. always just Wright or Stearman or Egan in the later seasons were the only one actually on the halfway line. And the rest of the heat map were everyone in, in forward positions on the wing and all sorts. Yeah. I think that's why it was such a, a delight to watch because you, you sort of touched on it earlier. Like everyone knew what we were going to do. Like we'd mm. done we'd done basically the same thing for four seasons, but it's just so hard to stop. And as as fans, I, as a fan rather, I got used to you know player X has got the ball. I'm immediately looking for players Y and Z because I'm like right, he's going to run down there and he's going to run up there. And you know, so it wasn't just like aimless movement like everybody just running no, around no, like a, no. I don't know a and swarm I think of bees really important to that system was those maverick players of Duffy and McGoldrick as well personally mm. in the sense that they almost had a free role when they played um, and they sort of I don't know they had that sort of uh, quality of picking up space and they didn't as we like you said we knew Duffy were going to go oh, sorry Baldock were going to go down this way or O'Connell were going to do that you weren't really sure where Duffy and McGoldrick were going to pick up that ball, and that added another element to it, I think. Yeah, definitely. But it was... I mean, that's, that's the most I've enjoyed watching United. You know, as yeah. as incredible as that first Premier League season was, to see to see us be so much better than all the other teams in the lower divisions was... I don't know. It was like, this is my sort of reward for everything I've sat through the previous years. But, yeah. you know, it doesn't happen like this for most clubs, doesn't it? You know, you... You improve slightly. You don't go from being abject mid-table League One to a hundred points immediately, followed by. And, and people cite Southampton because they did it obviously in two seasons. What I'll say about Southampton, this is another thing with the Wilder era, is they had Lallana and uh, Oxley Chamber and Walcott. They had this incredible youth team that came through and, and, and a really good team basically, and it would no surprise. The players that we had were players that nobody. We mentioned this just before we came on, actually, didn't we? About. Um, signings that we had who, who, who were excited about or actually made anything. I don't think there were a single signing this season since in the Wilder, the first two Wilder seasons at least, where I'm thinking, wow, that's a, you know, these were players who were like, who's he? Free from Coventry. Oh, I've heard of him, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that were another part of the of the tale that there were these players who had been written off or released or never had the chance to play at the level that they were at. Yeah, I'm coming back to the word fairy tale again. I've got this written down as well. It's the that was another incredible thing about this this time, I suppose, is that rehabilitation of players that we thought were washed up. You know, not just new signings, but Coots, Basham, Kieran Freeman. They they'd mm. already been at the club. Yeah, um, I thought you know not much of Basham to be honest at that point. I thought very little of Coots and Freeman. Yeah, yeah, I thought they you know they were transfer listed at the start of that season. I thought they were on their way out, and then suddenly they became key pieces for the rest of that season. Basham, obviously. And I remember know. every every signing we made when we got to the Championship, you're thinking, oh, who's George Baldock? Do you know what I mean? I've not, who's this? I, I expected this to be buying sort of better than this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sort of, not, not in, I, I trusted Wilder, but you're going up and you think, I, I don't even know who this George Baldock character is. Or Ender Stevens. who yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, it, just, it, it felt so good, didn't it? I mean, it was yeah. this, I know we've come down to down to earth this season, but... It was like, yeah, we, you know, we we found something here. We've got lightning in a bottle. We're we're taking on the established systems of football with, yeah, you know, yeah. new tactics, but also these players that everyone else is like thinks is absolute rubbish. Yeah. We'll j- just watch this. Yeah, it was amazing when it, it felt like uh, I don't know. It was it was a bit like the Moneyball sort of story of you know just 
identifying players that yeah, have yeah, something yeah. that everyone else has overlooked for one reason or you know McGoldrick never he's always injured like you know what a waste of time even thinking of signing him you know nobody yeah. would even uh, nobody would even sign him on a free transfer till we give him a trial so yeah yeah, yeah just uh, it all all adds into the fairy tale don't it but I mean even Leon Clark to a lesser extent you know that I'm going to bring Leon Clark up I think he's the that he's the sort of man that made you think you could turn water into wine because mm. it's a striker who struggled all his career at the championship level, really good league one goal scorer. And he got what, 20 goals that year or something, or 18 goals. 19 in the championship, I think it was. That is outrageous for Leon Clark. No offence <laughs> to him as a club, he'd never done that before. And he was like 33. Yeah, and... Uh... I mean, just, you know, he's, he's done fine for himself, I guess. But yeah, he's, certainly that was the peak of his career. You know, mm. after that, he's hardly uh, hardly pulled up too many trees. No. Um, yeah. So, anything else that uh, you thought was like a, you know, a, a, another great thing about having Wilder as uh, as United manager? I just well, the the three best things I've written down here is the best things of it as a manager. The one you've already mentioned is probably the biggest one is you felt in safe hands, possibly the only manager where I've genuinely felt he'll sort it. Yeah. I've got no doubts he'll sort it. Even this season, I thought he'll sort it next season. Yeah. Same. I have confidence in it. I mean that that confidence did wane slightly when we were getting worse and worse and worse <laughs> and the games went on. But I've never felt for four seasons straight one hundred percent confidence that our manager will give us our best chance of winning. Yeah. And absolutely. I don't think I'll ever get that again. I mean Jukanovic could be amazing, I'm not sure obviously, but Warnock were good for us. There's no getting away. Warnock's record for us was really good from where he took us over. But I'd never felt, oh, he'll sort it next week, Warnock. You're thinking, oh, what's he going to do next week? Ten at the back, five up front. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like, he's going to drop Pesky Solido again. What's he going to do? Wilder, I knew or I felt. I'm not worried. I used to worry after games and stuff, thinking, oh, I've got them next week. And if we play like that, we're Wilder, I think we'll sort it out. Yeah. But um, his eye for a bargain that we've already spoke about. There's been much said about what he did when he actually had money. But Fleck, O'Connell, Duffy, Jake Wright, Baldock, Stevens, Clark, McGoldrick, all those players. If I if I'm right, cost less than two million combined. Yeah, I think so. Which is what? <laughs> you know what I mean, that is that is some scouting and that is some way of building a team. Mm. That that's just incredible. And also his bravery. And people will laugh at that maybe with this season because they think he's going to a shell. But to carry on overlapping and sticking with the players that he did in the Championship and then the Premier League and mm. saying, yeah, I'm going to stick to my principles, that unbelievable. Yeah, that was that's true. As it feeds into what I was just saying about like we're just going to take on the, you know, we're going to fight the system essentially. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously, yeah, being wedded to that has, has been a part of why it's ended, I suppose. But at that point, it was absolutely thrilling, wasn't it? You know, going to yeah, Spurs, yeah. for example, and uh, watching us, you know, completely outplay a team with vastly better players, as you know, as we've seen this season. And the surprises every year as well, United. I think when we mm. went up to the champion, I remember the first game in the championship, Brentford, and although we won that game, I was thinking, this is Ooh. going to be difficult. <laughs> yeah. because these, these are a massive step up for what we've been <laughs> used to. We were really lucky to win that game, to be fair. Then we lost the two after, and you're thinking, hmm. I'd never thought we'd go down, because I thought we were better than the likes of Burton and Barnsley and Bolton who we'd come up with, but <clears throat> I thought it would be lower mid-table. And then you see those players playing Wednesday off the park, playing Wolves off the park, you know what I mean? And and then they go up to the Premier League and they do the same to Tottenham and Man United. <laughs> You're like, where's the where's the limit? Yeah, uh, so so much pride in this period. I I guess you know with the pandemic, it's um, 
it's obviously put a natural break in place to my fandom, I suppose, because mm. uh, you know, just not being able to be in the grounds. But yeah, I, I wonder if I'll ever feel that way again, like about a United team. You know how I felt about Wilders United for four seasons there. You know, or basically, I mean, you can literally draw a line when the pandemic started, as like that was up to that point, everything was amazing, and so you know, all all my in person experiences of Wilders United were absolutely incredible like the best times of supporting United yeah. that I've experienced and yeah not to you know not to get too melancholy but I think it's a hell of an ask to think that that can happen again I mean I don't think it's a it's, it's probably not an ask to think we can get promoted to the Premier League again I would very much hope that that will happen at some point in the yeah. not too distant future but the way we did it the way he was as manager you know we would call out players that he thought were underperforming he would you know, he would have a, a quip ready for every situation pretty much, you know. Yeah, he seemed, yeah. he, I think he was a big part of us becoming that sort of media darlings to last yeah, season. Yeah, and, and you said before, before we, we had an identity, you said this in a previous pod, which was really good, that our identity was so different to everyone else's. We weren't just this, any club who, oh, we got like West Brom, yo-yo club going down, different manager every time they come up, different manager when they go down. We had this guy. We, we felt different, didn't we, to to every other club in the in the league, in the pyramid, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, whether whether fans of other clubs felt like that about us is, I guess, uh, you know, up for debate, I suppose. But yeah, you know, if you you cite that, uh, you know, all the fans singing to Sander Berg on his on his debut at Crystal Palace, and mm. you see all the uh, you know all the attention that that got, and your fans said, "I wish this was my club and stuff." That was yeah, yeah. yeah that was. Uh, and as you were talking about following us. on from him, I remember when uh, Brian Robson came in at Warnock uh, uh, after Warnock, and they were in an interview with Alex Ferguson after Robson got sacked, and he was saying, "Whoever came in to follow Warnock would have struggled." Well, <laughs> I think this is a step on, to be honest. Yeah, indeed. But um, yeah, it was. Uh... I'm I'm still sad it ended, you know. Like uh, yeah. I'm I'm feeling. I think this is a good, this is a good point to do it because I'm very much looking forward to what comes next. Now that I we think have... the fact we've got, uh, I think the the fact that we've got the best place manager, which obviously doesn't always work like that, because as we've seen, we Atkins, you know, and and various other managers, that doesn't always work. But we're giving ourselves the best chance of getting over him. I think. Yeah. As uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if um, I don't know if I could ever do justice, I suppose, to uh, yeah those those years of, of Wilder as manager. It really um, yeah it, it it rekindled my love of football and love of United. I think and yeah a lot of uh, a lot of cherished in person memories. You know, it's yeah. I, I think this was another thing that maybe we've not touched on about his his United fandom is that. You know, he was quite sort of vocal about how the the community side of it, I guess. You know, it was a lot of like when I was stood there with my mates and, you know, when yeah, I used to go yeah. to the match with my mates and stuff. And, yeah, that I don't remember that with Warnock, for example. Maybe Warnock No, I don't think that mates. really happened with Warnock, to be fair. I mean, I'm not saying Warnock wasn't a Sheffield United fan, but I think he was a, uh, I don't know, a Sheffield United fan in the sense that he followed him when he was young, but he didn't go to the games when he was an adult, as far as I know. Yeah, so... You know that, uh, and you know there was a bit of uh, drinking culture is not the right phrase to throw into this, but it was a. It really did feel like a fan was managing the team. You know, it was like we could, we could celebrate the, our successes more wildly than any other team in the country. Is what it felt I like. I remember and, uh, <laughs> Liam Moore, the mainly pod where said, 
when we went up with Norwich and it shows you Norwich and they're all having a quiet pint going, we were going up. <laughs> then it cuts to ours and Billy Sharp said, put in a <laughs> lampshade. <laughs> all the fans have got steaming up and he's like absolutely battered. You've got our manager calling the opposition Muppets. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Just like this absolute free for all. <laughs> it was amazing, man. Like that, I'll never forget that. I, I That absolutely added to my enjoyment of the moment. Undoubtedly, yeah. You're like, yeah. it was just incredible that we, we, I remember the day we went out when, because I were in the pub, obviously, and uh, <laughs> when Villa, um, uh, whatever happened with that goal and uh, Leeds got back into it at 1 1. Um, and I remember going home and having the biggest smile on my face because it cut to our players going mad, Wilder jumping up and down, like singing, uh, uh, well, what's the, come on, what's the song? Uh, he never gives the ball away. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Doing what I what I just been doing in the pub. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They were just yeah. like, oh. it, it's great. I'm sure he's not the only manager that's ever done that around the around the country at all. But yeah. it was the first time I'd seen it for United. I think. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, and you remember obviously the the town hall celebrations. We'd had that before with Warnock, and they were they were fantastic. But again, Kieran Freeman nearly dying, falling off. Like, <laughs> so, do you know what I mean? Wilder nearly dropping the trophy. It was yeah. just unbelievable. It was like a wild party, wasn't it? I mean, it was, yeah. yeah. The way that we did celebrate. It was like a rock and roll band who burnt out after five years. Yeah. But four years, they were the biggest band in the world. I loved it. <laughs> it was just, it was just carnage. I mean, you know, I went to the lane after we got promoted to the Premier League in yeah. um, uh, when the, the last game of the season at Stoke, and it was mad. I've, I've not seen anything like that before. I hope I get to experience that again. Just, mm. you know, fans literally blocking the road for the bus and you can see Wilder and Sharper in the like uh, in the window at the front of the yeah, bus like yeah, joining yeah. in with all the songs and stuff it was yeah it was absolutely and that's what incredible. you say that I don't think we'll get that again in the sense that um, the, the the fan connection I think whatever yeah. I, I'm hoping I'm wrong I just can't see it yeah I, I just can't I just can't see it but that that doesn't necessarily mean to say that it had to it had to stop that at some point that couldn't carry on forever Mm. Yeah, so you do have to move on, but I, I do think it's a, it's a chance to look back and say, I'm glad we had it because six years ago, if you'd have said, right, well, the next five years are going to be this, but you're going to have this terrible season, it's going to end in such a mess. Like, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> give me that every single time. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you see all the uh, the photo memories just popping up through the season of, um, you know, on this day, we, we won at this place or we did this, etc. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's nice to look back on. Um, as you as we said, you know, I'm ready to I'm ready to move forward. I'm glad there's a new manager in place. Uh, I'm excited as to what that will will bring in the in the coming weeks and months, and you yeah. know, hopefully all back in the ground in uh, early August as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, thank you, Chris Wilder. I guess you know that was that was a special time. I'm sure we will talk about him in passing loads and loads in the. You know, in the coming months and and years, you know, he will be indelibly linked with this club, I suppose. For yeah. as as badly as it ended, and it did obviously end pretty messily. I think it could have been worse. You know, I think I think how he handled himself publicly uh, after the split was has been good. You know, is uh, there's you know there's not been any sort of uh, public comment that's uh, kind of fanned any flames there, has there? No, Quite the opposite really with his LMA statement. So yeah, yeah, yeah he'll. Yeah. He'll always be linked in my mind to supporting the Blades, and uh, yeah, what a what a ride it was. Even yeah, if it and had I think a... it's important to say that there's, there's, there's still a lot of bitterness there and stuff like that. And I think that 
from, from fans and, and what have you, and then there's a little bit of arguments and stuff going on, which is understandable, but the only reason people are arguing is because of how good it was. Yeah. You know, people are trying, I think, I, I might be even including this, people might are sort of trying to maybe downplay how good Wilder was. Maybe I'm doing that in my own head, I'm not quite sure, to sort of get over it, whereas the other people just refuse to let go of how good it was because it might never get that good again. And that's... Look, the the only reason that happened is because of how good it was. Yeah, absolutely right. Any any final thoughts on uh, on Wilder for the purpose of this podcast? As I said, I'm sure we'll uh, mention him plenty of times in the. Yeah, he weren't that pod. good. We're really thinking about. <laughs> no, was, he was lucky that he had Coots and Basham and Freeman and Sharp already here. Work. I'll stick to that till the day I die. Get out of my grace, though. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, we mentioned the season review from uh, the League One season, so. Yeah, that's out there if anyone wants uh, super in-depth thoughts. It would actually be, I don't know, I, I might actually go and listen to that myself because I'd be curious to know how, because uh, we obviously recorded that at a point where we were legitimately challenging for the Champions yeah, League. Yeah, we were fifth, seventh or whatever it was, yeah. <sighs> yeah, so I don't know if it will, uh, it, if there's any parts of it that are a bit more interesting now <laughs> to look back on when we were like, mm. well, as the greatest manager, this is amazing. I, yeah, I don't see how yeah. it can ever possibly go wrong next season. yeah. A season with no fans in the stadium and your best player gets a season-ending injury and you spend money on players who don't do anything. Anyway, there we go. We yeah. couldn't help it. Um, I'll let you do that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So uh, we've got a little break coming up because you're going on holiday, aren't you? I'm going away, yeah, for the yes. Euros. Nice. Yeah. You're not going on tour with England? Not you're... going on tour. No, not going on tour. I'm going to Scarborough. Right, okay. <laughs> I don't well, think I suppose... Down there, but I suppose England aren't really going on tour either because uh, isn't all but one of their games at Wembley or something? Yeah, I think, I think all the group that's games right. Isn't it? Yeah, I think that's I think that's correct. Yeah, and you told me that every uh, game's got fans in, haven't they? That is correct. Yes, so that's um, good because I watched the Belgium Croatia game and no fans, and you just remembered again, like oh, oh yeah, I forgot about this. It's rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, indeed. So we're, we're going to have a little break from Blades Pod just for uh, a couple of weeks or so, but then we'll be back to talk. Well, we'll talk about the Blades, obviously. We'll talk a little bit about Euro 2020. which talk I'm, about I'm... England winning the Euros. Yeah, and, uh, Aaron Ramsdale got called up last minute and <laughs> saved the day. Miracles. <laughs> I'm really excited. I Yeah, the fact there's fans in all these games. I'm, you know, it's been a weird week of preparation for England. Um, mm. I don't know why these friendlies took place at all, to be honest. Major question marks about how that team will come together. But I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I think there's a... You know, there's a collection of very exciting attacking players there. It's just central midfield. I hope Southgate proved wrong. I think I think he's a great, really good man, Southgate. Mm. I just, I, I think his his preparation has been appalling for this, from my opinion. But I'm not a manager; he knows more than I do. I'm just giving my opinion. I hope you know when we do the next pod, I'm saying, what a man. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I think yeah, that's that's kind of what I realised this week is, yeah, I have to sort of separate out. Southgate, the man who I have a lot of respect for, and um, Southgate, the manager who hmm, question marks in there is probably yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. average at best manager. But if he can just sort of stay out of his own way and not harm our chances, then I think there is some talent in this team. So yeah, it could be it's fun. Good that if, get Wilder in, in fact, now now he's lost the West Brom job. Yeah, it could could be the next. Imagine thing. that that game out of the way as well for us, wasn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, that's the other thing with the West Brom job going to someone else. That obviously the we're all. Super concerned about Wilder managing a rival next season. Yeah, aren't I can't we? see that happening now. Is uh, is Woodgate definitely the permanent manager at Bournemouth? I'm not sure, but I went on the Bournemouth forum yesterday, and there's no sort of manager threads or anything like that. So yeah, right, okay, yeah, fair enough then. Um, 
do you want to just finish just by hitting me up with some of your uh, your best bets for Euro 2020? Yeah, they're not good bets. Um, <laughs> I, I did. I, I've actually got Belgium to win it, but I picked this before De Bruyne may not play, but I've stuck with it because if, you know one of those things you think well, if they win and I haven't got it. So yeah, yeah I've, uh, I've stuck a pony on them. I don't know what a pony, a pony. means. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, I've, put, uh, I've got a couple of pound on Holland just purely because the group's the easiest group I've ever seen. They've got Ukraine... Austria and Macedonia mm. in the group. So you think if they're just going to top that, and then looking at as the as the group falls out, they've got looks like they've got an easy one for the next game as well. So I wonder in the quarters anything can happen. And uh, my mum, out of nowhere, doesn't know anything about football. Just said, "Can you put me some money on Italy?" She was uh, just got a feeling. So got you know, a feeling. Yeah. See, I'm, so yeah. Sorry. No, I was going to say I I just don't have any idea who's good this time around. This is <laughs> partly why I'm really looking forward to the tournament because. I'm going out with a truly open mind, apart from I'm mm. sure France are probably the best team. So I've, uh, I, I don't know if people remember, but during the last World Cup, I had a wonderful bet, which I think was 150 to one. Yeah, I, only, I remember listening to this. Yeah, I only put a pound on it, but it was it was magnificent. It was uh, every team at the World Cup to score at least two goals, and uh, it came in. I was uh, I was there cheering on. I think Panama and Saudi yeah. Arabia. Saudi Arabia got like a 93rd minute penalty that that clinched their second goal and it it did make those uh, final group games more interesting i suppose and, yeah, uh, yeah yeah that one came off i think bookmakers have got wise to this this time round because <laughs> uh, it's i think it's 14 to 1 i was looking at it it's just terrible it's not even worth more it. difficult in the euros as well so maybe not worth a bet that because obviously the euros is a stronger competition i think than the world cup in the sense that, well, I know Macedonia's got in there this year, but it's usually the, the cream of the crop of Europe, whereas the World Cup's got teams that are just you can't really match up with other teams. Yeah, well, that's why I was surprised it was so low. Obviously, it's a lower mm. amount of games. It's only 24 teams instead of 32, but, um, you know, there is no Panama and Saudi Arabia at the yeah. Euros. So, yeah, I've uh, so I've stayed clear of that. I've instead gone for, in a similar spirit, each team to score three or more goals at the tournament. Five five hundred to one. How can you resist? Oh, that's a tough one. Macedonia, Panama, and Saudi Arabia scored two at the yeah, World Cup. Yeah, that's so true. That's you never true. know. So yeah, they've got each group. They've got Ukraine and Austria in the group. That's not yeah. <laughs> they beat. I think they beat uh, Germany, didn't they? They beat yeah, Germany away yeah. in uh, March. I think it was. Yeah. So yeah. this is it. I've 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 wagered small amounts of money, not really to win, just to spice up my enjoyment. So I've bet. I've on got goals. a free five pound bet actually. I might, I might join you on, on that. We can doubly celebrate. <laughs> yeah, that's the way. Uh, I like this one as well. Uh, three or more goals in four or more matches of each group. So oh, yeah. Yeah, each yeah. group plays six matches, I believe. Um, yes. Three or more goals in four out of those six matches for each group. It's 250 to one. So it's it's pretty unlikely. But again, it's like that's I'm just cheering on goals. That's, that's all yeah, I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I'll throw you a few more fun ones. Uh, no own goals to be scored at Euro 2020. 33 to 1. Well, but... sorry, Tyrone Mings is playing. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, who wouldn't want to root for this one? Any goalkeeper to score at the Euro, oh, yeah. not including penalty shootouts. It's only 50 to 1, but I yeah, thought, imagine. why not? Last I'll minute, a... World Cup final, Pickford. Oh, it's not even that go. big, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no. It can take a good penalty, though, Pickford. He, he's good at penalties, yeah. Better than yeah. Henderson. <laughs> so if we, uh, if we, if we get a, an open play penalty, a regular time penalty, 
maybe we can let him take it after uh, Jordan Henderson fluffed one the other week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. There we go, mate. I'm looking forward to. I am looking forward to the Euros. Uh, do, do you want to give a shout out to your mate who recognised you in the pub the other day? Yeah, someone recognised you the pub and said like they really enjoy Blade's Pod. Uh, don't know his name, so too drunk. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thanks for that. So yeah, uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, mystery fan. Yeah, for uh, recognising Andrew's voice in the pub. Um, yeah, well, anything to uh, anything to plug, mate, before we finish up? Uh, yeah, I've got a uh, second bonus episode of Mailer coming out probably today or tomorrow. Uh, Liam's been away. I tried to do some editing, and I, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, so, yeah, he's had to come back and save the day. So that was coming out, and we're really drunk in this one by the sounds of it, according to Liam. Uh, and then we're doing some Euro specials, actually, ourselves. Uh, we're not going to concentrate on the actual games in terms of tactics or anything. It's just going to be like a Tim Pot rubbish version of Fantasy Football <laughs> League with Bedeal and Skinner, but with us two. Just trying to pick out odd moments and stuff. We're going to do a few quick episodes at Ender every week and see if... Uh, uh, yeah, so if anyone's got anything um, that they see that's, what's the word? Look, it's t- casting a right eye on the Euros. <laughs> a right uh, eye. Yeah, excellent. then uh, send us them in, uh, living with me, like uh, one. And yeah, hopefully we're going to do those at the end of every week of the Euros and a bit of comedy. Um, Tremendous. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, enjoy your break, mate. We'll be back in a few weeks. But mm. uh, yeah, get some uh, get some Scarborough sun on your um, on your skin. <laughs> Oh, I'm not, not joking. I went outside this morning for 40 minutes. My head is burning. Like <laughs> it really feels like it's just about to like just fall off. <laughs> Carry a uh, giant golf umbrella around everywhere you go. Then keep yourself covered. Did your other, did your other half uh, suffer from red hair? Suffer <laughs> from red uh, hair. Uh, uh, yeah. Certainly gets. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's certainly quick to burn in yeah. the sunshine. Put it like that. But. Uh, not good. Yeah, look out, look after yourself in uh, in sunny Scarborough, mate. Yeah, well done. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for your time talking, Chrissy Wilder. Mm, he, uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, he will always remain one of our own, I suppose. Even as uh, we move into a, a new era with the blades. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll look forward to that one. Good stuff, mate. Thank you very much. I will uh, catch up with you in a couple of weeks. Thanks a lot, mate. Cheers. That's all for this week, so big thank you to Andrew and a big thank you to Glistening Kicks, who are the sponsor of this podcast and a Sheffield-based business delivering high-end cleaning, restoration and weather treatment services for shoes, sneakers and trainers. It was very exciting to see them open their first ever shop a few weeks ago as well. Really amazing to see how quickly this business has, uh, has developed and built up. So let me tell you a little bit about Glistening Kicks and what they do. They can remove loose dirt and debris, give deep clean to laces, shoes and midsoles, also touch up any scuffs or imperfections. Plus, if you're looking for a full repaint due to damage or general wear and tear, they can take care of that for you as well. As well as their new Sheffield store, Glistening kicks off a local collection and return in the city and the surrounding areas, including Rotherham, Barnsley, Chesterfield and other locations in South Yorkshire and Derbyshire. They also do nationwide shipping via their safe, fast and reliable courier service, so you can be sure your footwear is in the best possible hands. Save yourself from spending on a brand new pair and give your existing kicks the treatment they deserve instead. Head to glisteningkicks.co.uk and book your service today. That is glisteningkicks.co.uk. You can also follow them on Instagram at glistening underscore kicks for a closer look at the great work they do in making shoes and trainers look their best. Thank you. Thank you.